Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. In this sermon, we see that Christ was prepared for Satan's temptations, and he prepared himself in two ways, savoring the Lord's presence and meditating on God's Word. You're listening to Into the Wilderness by seminarian and pastoral care associate Chad Borsma. Our sermon tonight is not officially part of the morning series, the um, words, um, no, windows on the word, windows, uh, thank you, okay, which I knew I was going to mess that up tonight, Um, but it could be because in the third bay of windows, which you can't see very well with uh, the dark outside, is the image of Jesus being tempted by Satan. My understanding is it actually was part of the series the last time that um, LaGrave did that, and if you're interested, a little bit of useless trivia, I'll give you this. Um, When this light is shining, you can see up there that Satan is purple with green wings. We talked about this this week, and we really have no idea why he's purple. But then if you want another piece of information, there is also an image of Satan or a devil being um, sent out from the child by Jesus in the chapel. And if you look in there, he's actually the opposite. He's green with purple wings. So what does that mean? I have no idea. But check it out sometime. Our scripture reading tonight comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, If you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Our passage tonight begins on the heels of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. Heaven was opened, the Spirit of God descends, and God's words ring out. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What should follow such a momentous event? In today's world, it could include a multi-course dinner at someone's house, or perhaps at an upscale restaurant. Maybe it might be a celebrative picnic at a neighborhood park 
under tall, lofty trees and a, a bright blue sky. In the days of Jesus, perhaps it would be something more like the story of the prodigal son. Bring a fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. None of these, however, could be farther from the words in our text. Following his baptism, Jesus is sent into the wilderness, and he is sent by God, by the Spirit, to be tempted by Satan. While in this Judean desert, Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights fasting. There he is, sitting on a rock, weary and worn, his stomach rolling and rumbling from hunger pains, and here comes the father of all lives, the great deceiver himself, Satan. You can almost hear a, a hiss in his voice, perhaps reminiscent of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Satan speaks to Jesus' mind, perhaps in some type of dream. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to, to become bread. In other words, use your miraculous powers, Jesus, to end your discomfort, to bring an end to your hunger. You're capable of that, aren't you? The scene changes for the second temptation as, Jesus, as Satan takes Jesus to Jerusalem, to the highest points of the temple. One commentator, Dale Bruner, says, while the first temptation smelled like a bakery, the second one has the aroma of an orthodox liturgy filled with holy things. The holy city, the holy temple, and the reading of holy scripture. Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. In other words, jump off the temple, Jesus. Your father loves you. He will save you, won't he? The devil then goes on to quote from Psalm 91 about how God will command his angels to take hold of you so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Or perhaps we could rephrase it so your, to say that so your body does not crash on the ground. Can you hear Satan's shrewd ways? Come on, Jesus, show me a miracle where your father comes and rescues you as you leap off the temple. Jesus experiences not only temptation, but also one of the evils of the world, the perverse use of Scripture. Psalm 91 does speak powerfully of God's protection for us, his people, but that protection is because he loves us, not so that we can put his power to the test. Higher and higher we go as we turn our attention to temptation number three. Satan takes Jesus to a very high mountain, one that is exceedingly beyond reality and has him gaze upon all the kingdoms of the world. This is the image that's in the window up there. 
I will give you all these kingdoms, everything, all territory, Satan says, if you bow down and worship me. What Satan wants Jesus to do is to give allegiance to him rather than to his father. The Greek verbs for bow and worship are aorist, a form suggesting that only a single act is needed to complete Satan's request, not ongoing, repeated action. However, what Satan wants from Jesus is still demanding. Fall down, he says. Throw yourself to the ground before me. He demands a sign of devotion, much like one would do before a high-ranking person or a divine being. After 40 days in this wilderness experience, Jesus is being tempted to break his relationship with the Father by giving in to Satan's demands. The wilderness experience, of course, is not unique to Jesus. I think, for example, of a friend of mine who passed away in 2014. I first met her when I was a student at Hope College and working at the archives there on campus while she was volunteering there in her retirement years. Her husband had passed away in his mid-40s from heart disease, so she had been a widow a long time. But with a strong faith in Christ, she gradually pressed on in life. I knew her as a person faithful in her church, attending worship services both morning and evening. If she was alive today, she'd probably be here tonight. She participated in Bible studies and served on various committees. The spiritual conversations I had with her are ones I still cherish to this day. As health concerns mounted, glaucoma gradually stealing her eyesight and COPD making it more difficult to breathe, life became more lonely, more of a wilderness experience. While she was frustrated with her diminished health, what bothered her more, what tempted her to question God's power and his plan, was the fact that all four of her sons had walked away from the faith. I can still remember during a visit at her home, the sadness in her voice as she questioned why, why God would allow this to happen when this was not the way she had raised her sons. And as the end of her life drew closer, she had more time to think by herself, more time to fear that she would not see her sons again in heaven. If I were to ask you, pre-pandemic, if you have ever experienced a time of wilderness in your life, many of you would likely answer yes. However, if I were to ask that question now, many of us, if we're honest, would need to admit to having a wilderness experience sometime in the past few years. We have all experienced times of loneliness and isolation times of being cut off from others. Think of school children 
who were trying to learn at home and being away from friends. Think of people in care facilities who were trying to navigate window visits with relatives. Think of grandparents who were missing the hugs from their grandchildren. The Greek word in our text for wilderness is atomos, and it means solitary, lonely, desolate, or uninhabited. It can also give the idea of being deserted by others or deprived of aid and protection, especially from friends, family, and acquaintances. All of us have probably experienced atomos in our lives. And while Satan can attack us at different times, he often takes his best shots when we are weary and worn, when we are isolated and alone, and when we are separated from the support we receive from our church, our family, and our friends. The devil wants to come between us and our loving Father. He operates with deceptive words, suggestions, and arguments by placing ideas and thoughts into our minds, which will build a wall between us and between God. From our text, we know that Satan also, of course, used his sly and crafty ways with Jesus. When Satan tempts him to turn stones into bread, Jesus has the words from Deuteronomy 8 on his lips. Man does not live by bread alone, Satan, but in every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The devil is rebuffed, of course, but he doesn't give up so easily, does he? He picks up Jesus' response to the first temptation, living on the words of the Lord, and then uses the words of the Lord when he tells Jesus to fling himself off the highest point of the temple to see if God will rescue him from death. The Spirit then provides Jesus with the words of Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, and tells Satan, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Strike two for Satan. But he tries still one more time. Jesus, though, has had enough of him. Away from me, Satan! And he again quotes from the book of Deuteronomy, this time from chapter 6, verse 13. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus' relationship with the Father is preserved and Satan slithers out of the scene. Notice that these temptations do not occur during the 40 days spent in the wilderness. They occur at the end, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, verse 2 tells us. So we might ask, what was Jesus doing during those 40 days while alone in that solitary, desolate place? How did he spend those days of fasting? Scripture doesn't tell us for sure, but it seems reasonable to consider two things. First, Jesus spent time savoring God's presence, being filled with his Spirit, and thinking about the incredible relationship he has 
with his father. Adamos experiences times in the wilderness are often the times when we are drawn closest to God. Some of you I know can testify to that. Think of the words that God proclaimed at Jesus' baptism just before this event. What a beautiful message of affirmation to let replay repeatedly in your mind during those wilderness times that you are God's child, that God loves you, and that he is well pleased with you. Jesus was also likely meditating on God's word, especially the words from Deuteronomy, we would guess, rehearsing the truths of Scripture again and again, letting them penetrate into his heart and into his soul. It's ironic that Deuteronomy 16, 6 through 7, just a few verses prior to the words that Jesus uses, records the words of Moses that remind us that God's commandments are to be on our hearts, to be impressed on our children, and to be talked about wherever we go. Jesus was likely living out the way he was raised, including including the habit of regularly meditating on God's word. Author and pastor Aaron Damiani summarizes it this way, Jesus entered the wilderness with his father's baptismal endorsement ringing in his ears. His 40 days gave him space to bask in his father's love and to draw upon the Spirit's power. When the devil tempted him with fantasies of dazzling self-love and godless power, Jesus was ready. He shut down the demonic power with the word of God, which lived inside of him. Now, some might argue that this victory over Satan was easy for Jesus. After all, he's God. The good news for us, though, is that when Satan comes knocking on the doors of our hearts, with those deceptive words, thoughts, or ideas, we can use the same strategy that Jesus uses, one that I witnessed a few years ago in my classroom at school. A student of mine struggled with anxiety. Tears and breathing difficulties came when he was fearful, even though he often could not name what, was he, what he was fearful of. One day he came to me with a piece of paper in his hand and asked me if he could read it to himself every so often. I looked down and and saw words written in his own handwriting. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The words from Isaiah 41, verse 10. He went back to his desk with the assurance that 
Yes, he could read those words every so often to himself. Friends, we too need to let God's Spirit guide us into his word, to let the words of Scripture sink deep into our soul, so that when Satan comes to us, which we know he will, we will be able to stand against him. Let me give you just a few examples in addition to the passages that Jesus uses from Deuteronomy. When the devil tries to weaken our faith by leading us to believe that God cannot possibly hear and answer all our prayers, especially when our requests seem so big and bold, we can respond with the words of Psalm 86, verse 10, words that I used in a previous sermon. God, you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. When Satan is tempting us, perhaps to engage in sexual activity that is outside our Father's will, we can draw upon the words he gives us from 1 Corinthians 6 and say, My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. Therefore, I will honor God with my body. And when we need a verse that works for any temptation we may face, we can boldly say the same words that Jesus said when he had had enough of the devil's crafty schemes. Away from me, Satan! Words from verse 10 of our text. Defeating the evil one's temptations by reciting short passages of Scripture and saying them out loud is a powerful tool that God gives us. For his word, Hebrews tells us, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Dale Vanderveen, a retired CRC pastor, addressed the topic of God's word in an entry in a devotional book he wrote, one that I would highly recommend to you. Anything that sharp, he says... I must handle with care, but I must handle it or I will not be able to handle temptation. Jesus' example of reciting scripture offers great hope for us as we walk this journey of life, but he also gives us one other activity that we can put into practice And that is regularly spending time in God's presence so that he can remind us of his love and so that he can fill us with his spirit. That may be in daily devotions, weekly worship as we're gathered here tonight, regular small groups, or perhaps an occasional retreat away from the busyness of life. God needs to speak to us on a regular basis. But that also means we need to give him the opportunity to do so. I don't think, standing here tonight, that I need to convince any of you that Satan is still on the loose, slithering in and out of our lives, seeking to separate us from the Father. However, We need to remember that God is faithful. 
And he gives us the power to overcome temptation and to be victorious. May he fill us with his spirit as we spend time in his presence. And may he give us the desire to have his word live deep within our hearts so that when Satan comes lurking, we will, by God's grace, be ready. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for your word and for the truth that is contained in it, for its timeless message that spoke then and it continues to speak today. Father, we pray that you would indeed fill us with your spirit, remind us of your love, give us the power and strength not only to defeat Satan's temptations, but also to commit your word deep into our hearts so that we will be ready when Satan comes our way. We ask this all in the name of Jesus, our Savior, the one who conquered all things, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.